0: Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carillo. Today we have Sergio. Pejaves. Sergio has been involved in many different facets of real estate investing in several markets throughout the U.S., from single-family rentals to 100-unit complexes. So, thank you so much for being on the show, Sergio.
1: Thank you. Uh, great, great to be here.
0: So, what was your background prior to starting to invest in
1: real estate? I was in the mortgage industry. I came to the U.S. back in December of 99. And uh, I was working. I'm, from, I'm originally from Peru and uh, born and raised, and I came to the U.S. at age 25. Uh, before I came to the U.S., I was working for the family business. <clears throat> and, uh, and I started, when I moved here, I worked with my brother. My brother had operations, a mortgage, mortgage operations, and I was uh, a junior loan officer and trying to learn the business. And that gave me kind of like light on what was all about real estate. So I worked with my brother for three years, close to three years in El Paso, Texas. So that was where my beginnings, you know, in, 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 in that exposed to real estate. So why did
0: you choose real estate as your investment vehicle when you started investing?
1: Well, you know, I was, I, I was you know, I be, after working with my brother, I became a mortgage broker, you know, and as you all know, in 2007, 2008, the market turned. So I always thought, you know, I remember I met this gentleman and came to my office and, and uh, just walk in and said, hey, sir, you want to talk to you? And I said, sure, have a seat. And uh, he was, you know, he's early 30s. And uh, I said, you know, I want to refinance one of my properties. And I said, oh, how many, how many properties you have? And he's got around 35, 37 properties. So I was very, you know, you know, impressed by being so young and being able to acquire so many, so many properties. So I was very curious about, about his journey. And I said, hey, you know, you know, why you want to refinance, maybe i buy it from you. And that was my first rental property single family. So that, that that was an inspiration for me. That whenever, you know, as you know, everything's cyclical, right? Everything ch- turns. So I, I kind of knew that uh that at one point things would slow down on the mortgage and there would be an opportunity on the real estate side of it. So uh I always had in my mind that you know, when things you know turn and slow down or there's a there's a shift in in, in conditions that I will go into real estate. Okay.
0: So your first couple uh investments were single family
1: yeah yeah single family rentals and uh i start uh you know when when the market you know turned 2008 i i moved from el paso to houston and uh, i decided to get you know full time into real estate so i did fix and flip you know in the suburbs of houston and uh i did i did quite a lot of properties you know I did on you know spring area Texas, you know katie area uh, a lot of the suburbs you know Flip approximately fifteen to twenty properties a year, so it was you know a small operation, but I, I was very busy, you know. And at one point, I, I I thought you know why instead of doing so many fix and flips, you know why not just go to the big leagues down in the city, you know, and do three four properties at a time, but larger projects. And that's when I when I uh, opened Project Bungalows, you know, in two thousand twelve. And I was doing fix and flips of uh, bungalows. And uh, I also started doing some new construction of craftsman homes in the Houston Heights area. It was a beautiful journey, you know, really learned, learned a lot about the business. And all the profits and all the gains that I was, you know, getting from the fix and flips and the high-end, uh, you know, remodels, additions, and new construction, I started buying real estate. I would start buying more rental properties. Nice. So you know that was kind of like my my game. You know, I want to start capitalizing and and then move all those gains into cash flow opportunities. You know, and and that was that that was my my goal. Um, and I, in in my daughter my daughter was born. You know, and I guess everybody gets that kind of like you know click. You know, okay, what am I going to do if you know what's going to happen if I'm not here? So that's when the the whole cash flow really opened up in my head and said, you know what, well, I want to really go aggressive into. Into the cash flow business through real estate.
0: Awesome. So what's your current investment criteria and strategy?
1: Mostly value add. Uh, we just closed our first large multifamily uh, in December of 2020 here in Florida. Uh, and it's a you know, full value add, meaning, you know, we're gonna, you know. Find out what are the deficiencies, you know, on the on the expenditure. Trying to improve the NOI. Trying to push rents. Trying to do renovation on the asset, and and uh, that's what we believe is, is 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 a more advantageous position to be. Yeah.
0: So, with your background in sourcing deals, I imagine when you were sourcing deals in Houston and in Texas, you were sourcing deals off off market so you could get deals. How do you source deals now? Are you sourcing them direct from owners still? or mainly using brokers or does it depend on the size of the property
1: yeah i always deal with brokers you know since you know as, as i my experience in houston you know I, I did some you know postcard campaigns trying to deal directly with owners you know yeah i mean it's a hit and miss situation and and you have to be consistent and and, and i was and I, and i had some you know good leads you know that eventually became opportunities. But most of my uh, great successes you know, and, and, and great opportunities were through relationship with other brokers. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe, you know, you know, you have, you build those relationships with those brokers and you keep loyal to them, they'll be loyal to you. So they are kind of like your soldiers are in the market trying to, you know, they know what's going on in particular neighborhoods and, and let them invest their marketing dollars, you know, let them go in the field, you know, pick up properties and, you know, you those relationships, you become that preferred buyer.
0: Yeah, so is that how you're picking up deals and finding deals in such a competitive market ship, marketplace? Yeah, con-
1: yeah, yeah, continue, continue building relationship with brokers. And, uh, you know, that's my main my main activity, constantly talking to them, how things are going, everything coming soon. And, and it is a team sport, as we all know about, right? I mean, multifamily is a team sport. And you, you know, even though you may not have a deal today, you may have a deal in six, you know, you know, twelve months, a year, two years. You have to think long term. So building those relationships are crucial. You know, keep communication, keep talking to your broker, build those relationships, and you don't need that many, you know, uh, brokers either. It's not like you have to meet every guy that is a broker in your market, but you know, just pick the top three, four, you know, top brokers, and and say, hey, you know, please give me the opportunity. I want to be on the top of the list whenever you have a deal in, you know, and. and And be proactive, you know, when they send you the deal also, you know, be responsive, you know, engage with them. Say, okay, let me, send me what I need, I'll analyze, give me 72 hours, I'll I'll, I'll send you a little LOI or I'll say yay or nay.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how many people do not respond to brokers when they finally get a deal from them.
1: Exactly. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to respond to your brokerage, you have to engage with them, you have to, you know, build that relationship, you have to build that trust. And, uh, you know, if you don't seem that you engage back, they want to go with whoever is going to engage with them at all times. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah, they want to have someone that can close the deal, too, and it's going to be responsive to them when they send out the deals. Correct. Correct. What, uh, when we met a couple of years ago, you had just purchased a portfolio of single family properties in Wisconsin, I believe it was. So Correct. What, t- what type of team do you have in place to handle your acquisitions and management since you're in several markets throughout the U.S.?
1: Uh, I think. Property management are, are, are key, our mm-hmm. key. Uh, you know, that opportunity came in 2018 and it was brought by a broker. Again, relationships are important and and I was doing a transition there. I was, you know, finish up my developments. I was making a decision to fall full time into real estate and cash flow and buying you know portfolios and multifamily. So Uh, You know, it's not easy, you know, in different markets, you really have to have that management team, you may not have it at the right place at the right time, whenever you are acquired, and you have to come like dance, 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 that situation, you know, and I think for what I learned about, you know, that experience is don't be afraid to make drastic moves when are needed. Uh, Sometimes, you know, they say, right, it's better the devil that you know, the devil that you don't know. But I think that when it comes to property management it's important to uh to make the right shift. You think that things are not going your way and uh when I bought the portfolio, I kept the same team and there were some you know uh challenges along the way uh but i, I you know I didn't want to make 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 a change you know but eventually I did and uh from from challenges, things are starting to look way better, and I'm exiting that market right now because I want to go full full time into multifamily. So actually, that portfolio that I bought in 2018, we are trying to reposition, and actually we're we're making great progress, and there's uh, uh there's a couple of buyers interested. So we're gonna you know sell that that portfolio and move those that capital into into several multifamily projects, and that's my goal this year to fully exit the, the single family market and go full time into multifamily and continue to grow our portfolio on the multifamily side. Awesome.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. Great. that's great to hear on the, uh, on how you're doing that. When your is your role on your team when you're raising, are you raising money mainly? Or are you doing acquisitions? I know you sponsor deals. What do you focus as yourself when you're on your team?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm multifaceted, you know, I I enjoy everything I enjoy, uh, you know, you know, I have an, you know, director of operations that, you know, is in my team, you know, we, 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 you know, we get all the information, we get all the data, you know, we, we we underwrite a lot of deals, you know, and, you know, we're super particular, you know, we don't, we don't have to close a deal every month, you know, we just trying to find that 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 deal that fits our criteria and uh it may happen once or twice a year three times we're not trying to you know compete to the guy next door or the other sponsor that is closing wow. several deals we're just very very picky very particular and uh so once the deal is underwritten you know I take a look you know we discuss it back and forth we send LOIs and uh You know, and then once the LOI is in place, you know, there's, of course, a strategy to, you know, to, you know, to raise the capital and everything. But I enjoy all aspects, you know, for the last six months, I've been, you know, talking to people that I know, you know, on my Rolodex, you know, say, hey, you know, they know me from, you know, new construction, development, you know, fix and flip. And uh and now they realize I'm in the multifamily space. So I'm trying to pivot those those relationships into be converting them into passive investors. And mm-hmm. and I think it's you know it's a lot of conversation. This is not a you know, you know, let's let's get rich tomorrow kind of thing. So yeah. I'm I'm being very, very happy with all the connections that I made and a lot of people are, you know, kind of like you know, providing me with soft commitments for future opportunities. So I'm just you know, kind of like constantly trying to, to put together opportunities. And and that's my role, you know, oversee everything.
0: <clears throat> so as you trans- transition out of uh, single family, what do you see for the next 12 to 24 months in multifamily? And are you looking at any other real estate classes?
1: At this moment, I'm focused on multifamily. Uh, you know, here and there, I see other opportunities uh, and I've, I was exploring the you know doing like a, there's a lot of hotels as you know because of covid uh you know there's a lot of distress you know hoteliers so distress uh hotel owners and you know, I think there's an opportunity there to do a hotel conversion uh to uh, apartments and I explored a couple of opportunities didn't pan out uh so that's kind of like uh, you, you asked me, you know, if I'm looking at other things, you know, it will be something to convert to multifamily at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, see, I see opportunity. Uh, I think we're going to wait a little bit more how this uh, stimulus plan that just, you know, came out, how it's going to pan out in the market. Uh, and I think that there's going to be challenges along the way, but opportunities at the same time.
0: Are you? What are you worried about most about going forward? Do you think it's interest rates going up when you're trying to refinance? Is it something else?
1: Well, I think that the, the Fed's just announced, you know, a few days ago that the, the rates are going to remain the same. So that gives us a little bit of a horizon for the next two, three years. That I don't think interest rates are going to are going to be are going to increase. I, I I see that there's going to be, you know, that's part of the stimulus, right? You know, to incentivize the market. So I, I think that. We are, we are, we, this last portfolio that we bought, we still have multifamily. We are thinking of refinancing in a year, year, uh, year and a half. And uh, we're concerned about that rates going up. But based on the latest news, uh, I feel confident that the rates are going to remain attractive.
0: Okay. And with these different markets, I know you're buying all throughout Florida and some other states as well. What, what are you looking for when you're picking out a market? Is there anything specifically that you want to see
1: or that you don't want to see? I think at the end of the day, we all want growth, right? Mm-hmm. We want we want a, a, an increase on in population, you know, an increase on, on jobs, yeah. uh, uh, you know, your typical you know market highlights that are important, you know, just good trends, you know, not a perfect market, you know, but just a stable, you know, upward market, you know, here in Florida, we're experiencing a tremendous migration, you know, because COVID dynamics have changed where people can work remotely. And uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity in Florida. And I guess I'm I'm happy that I make that, you know, the move here from Texas, you know, in 2018. So I see a lot of opportunities now down south from where I am, like south of Palm Beach, you know, just the cap rates are so low and I think it's a different kind of buyer, more more you know, foreign, foreign investors or institutional investors that you just want to part their money. But for a small operators like ours, you know, I think that probably things north of where I am in Florida are more attractive.
0: Yeah, no, I totally uh, 100% agree with you because living in South Florida for so many years and uh, I feel like, oh, would you, would you want to buy down there? I'm like, every time I see a deal, every time I review a deal, I would love to buy yeah. in Southeast Florida but it's so expensive and you're competing against people that don't need really a return exactly. so you're competing against people that are coming from up north you know new york boston and then a tons of international money yeah. from south america mainly that is not really requiring a return which no. is very difficult to compete <laughs> impossible, impossible. When, you have, when you need to pay returns to investors so no. it's, yeah um, so, yeah, I, I, I think the same thing, uh, it's the growth in population, growth in jobs. And then I want to see some kind of inverse trend with crime. You know, I want to see crime somewhat decreasing over the last 20 years while you're having population jobs increase. And um, I think the slower or the more steadily that line is, I think the more consistent that market's going to be. And yeah. uh, because if a disruption happens, it's not going to be major. Whereas in these hot markets uh, that you hear everybody talking about that's in value-add, I think those are going to shake up a little bit more when jobs slow down or something happens because they've been just experiencing so much growth.
1: Correct, 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 correct. There's still a risk also on that end, right, as you said. So
0: you work, I mean, you've, you've been a broker, a real estate, a single-family wholesaler, flipper, a uh, single-family portfolio owner, multifamily owner. What mistakes do you commonly see newer experienced real estate makers, uh, real estate investors make?
1: I I think that uh, most, I think that the mistake that they make is not taking action. Mm -hmm. I think I see a lot of great, talented investors, you know, that are, are, you know, in this space, but they don't submerge themselves fully. And I think that's probably your biggest risk, just kind of like paralysis of analysis. You know, just stay where you are. And uh again, you don't have to close deals every month, you know, but just you know, just be proactive. Just be, you know, I, I think that's probably the best mistake, you know, just not not making that leap of faith, don't not being engaging, not 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 uh, taking action on on what the opportunity is at. And sometimes the opportunity is right there on our eyes and we just yep. Some people don't see it. So I think probably that and also the notion that the deal, because it's hot, the money's going to flow in. Mm. And, and, and we all make that mistake. You know, oh, well, the deal is strong. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll get the money. And probably, you know, I think that it's important to work your way around, you know, have a conversation with people that you know, you start with friends and family, right? You know, uh, you know, check all that relationship that you have in the past, all the people that they know you, and start having a conversation about what you're doing. You know, everybody wants, wants you know, invest and, 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 and get money in return if they are full-time doing other activities, right? So I mean, at one point, everybody's passive, right? You buy stocks, I mean, you're passive. So have a conversation with people that that you already know and tell them what you're doing. They may not invest with you in your first deal, but at least you already have built some sort of, you know, you know, list of people that are going to believe on you want to bet with you on your next opportunity. So I, I would probably recommend for, you know, people that are starting to be proactive on engaging and talking, bring the conversation and, and say, don't be afraid. You know, of course, you know, if you're doing, uh C right, they need to be fully accredited. So make sure that you know you disclose that part, you know, and that they are fully accredited. Uh or you're gonna do the other syndication, you know, uh I guess there's there's you're more flexible, right? Yeah. Uh, you can also do joint ventures. You know, everything doesn't need to be a syndication. My last deal was in a syndication and it was a you know uh you know seven 6.5 million six point five million dollar deal. Uh you know you can just bring people together and then say hey you know let's 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 this, this work and and, and build something interesting here. So, uh, just, just that, that would be my advice.
0: Yeah. I think if you haven't raised money before people ask me, I always tell them raise 50% more than what you need. And the other thing too, is that you're, you know, it's, um, you found a deal, uh, say you're just, you know, getting a soft commitment isn't just you're in, you're in the bar with your buddy having a beer and he tells you, Hey, you know, I'll invest $50,000 into your next deal. And then six months later you get it. That's not really a soft commitment. Soft yeah. commitment is, what I'm saying about that is that uh, they've reviewed the deal, they're interested in the deal, and they're going to give you some sort of uh, feedback on it. And that's what you can consider as a soft commitment, not just, oh, I spoke to so many people in the last few months and they're interested in investing. Well, everybody wants to invest in real estate because I think Correct. every person, no matter where you are, knows someone that's become wealthy or made money in real estate. You yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't matter what I think level income class you are, you know someone that's made money on a house, on a property, uh, whatever it might be. And then the other thing we say about the analysis paralysis, I think that people are always looking for a home run and yep. they're comparing what the market was a year or two ago, which is important to be aware of that. But it's also, I stopped years ago trying to make a home run in every deal, yep. knowing that you, know, you have solid doubles. And you know, if you consistently are evaluating properties and consistently buying properties, you're going to have the doubles, the triples, the home runs, and, the, and eventually the grand slams, depending on where you are in the market cycle when you're buying.
1: Correct. I agree with you. Yeah,
0: So now getting a little bit more personal, what are some couple mistakes that you've made previously uh, when investing in real estate?
1: I said what I mentioned to you before, you know, uh, know, when it comes to management companies, you know, just making that decision. And it's a scary decision when you're trying to switch a management company. It's very scary. You hear all these horror stories. So, you know, I guess if you want to do it, if you're thinking of doing, might as well do it. Don't be waiting for that perfect timing or don't be waiting for things to change when they haven't changed. So I think on, on my personal experience, I, you know, wish I wouldn't be a little bit more decisive on changing, you know, a management teams at the right time. And I just felt that, well, let's not rock the boat, you know, let's just be more conservative. You know, might as well, you know, know the person, You already know them, you know, let's just try to, navigate the, the waters and not look for uh bitterness. So mm-hmm. I would say my, you know, I wouldn't say regrets, but you know, challenges were those, and I was able to make those decisions and, and change it. And they were not easy decisions, yeah. but I end up making it. And I'm, and I'm very happy right now that I'm working with better teams than previous ones. And uh, now I feel better about it, you know, and things are starting to look better. So don't wait until you feel, you know, that you you have to do it tomorrow. You know, just do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's amazing how overlooked property management is, even though they're, we're talking about buying all these multi-million dollar assets here, and they're the only, their team is the only people that actually are going to be the ones talking to your tenants, most likely. When you show up at a property and you're reviewing it, you have a tenant walk up to you and talk to you because they know that you're, you know, you're. You're not the manager and you're not uh, looking there to rent. So they uh, believe that you're you know, part of the ownership. Well, the thing is mostly, I mean, on a daily basis, the person that's going to have contact with your tenants, with your clients that are paying everything uh, are going to be the people that are making $40,000, $45,000 a year hired by this property management company. Correct. And it's extremely important to make sure that you're on the same page. And then the other thing, too, about the management with you is that I remember my first management company I owned or not owned, I, uh, I hired for properties I had. And uh, it was like the first six months, I was kind of rocky. And um, I realized a lot of issues that I had a couple tenants that we had put in before handing over. And I was like, I got to give them like a fair shake of going through it. And about 12, 18 months into it, the property turned uh, dramatically around because we had a couple, prob- a few problem tenants, you know, that yep. kind of shake of the boat. So it's, it's thing too, is having you know, it's, if they just take over the keys, they didn't hide, they didn't do any underwriting on those tenants coming in, right? That was most likely you or your other property management company. So blaming that on them isn't correct. You have to have them go the whole process and see what happens after a year or two when their tenants are in there and the tenants from the previous company or from you are not there. And uh, so, but um, so Sergio, how can our listeners learn more about you and your company?
1: Well, you can just visit uh, my website, you know, uh, com. You know, they can, you know, there's my, my bio is there, all the, the properties that we own, our portfolios is there, uh, you know, a little bit of history about us and, you know, how we engage with our investors. So uh, just that, you know, visit, uh, visit our webpage, you know, or look me up in Facebook, Sergio Pejaves, or worth having a Capital capital group.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll put those links into the show notes.
1: Thank you thank so much. You. For,
0: thank you so much for coming on and enjoy uh, the rest of your day in, uh, on beautiful Worth Avenue there
1: on Palm Beach Island. Sounds good. look forward to having you here at the office one day. So, sounds good. Talk sounds to you good. soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Hi guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars Incorporated exclusively.